everybody, and welcome back to another round, Steve. Another round. Not another installment. Another round of the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself. Wait, I'm looking for him. Where are you? Oh, there he is. I see him. He's right there. Mr. Steve Herzig, how are you, Steve? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Good. We just celebrated an online retirement. It was hilarious. I I never had such a fun retirement party than that one. I like the game Kaboom. <laughs> Hold on a second, everybody. Here we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. I am so glad that you're with us. Uh, we are talking about the retirement of uh, one of our colleagues, Mike Cannell from Canada. Um, he lives up in the Nova Scotia area, and he has just uh, had a phenomenal ministry with us, with uh, with uh, with our with our department, which is called North American Ministries. We oversee all of the outreach ministries um, with the Friends of Israel in North America. And so Mike Cannell, he has only been with us for maybe two years or he so. He came right before... The uh, COVID hit. He was before the board in December of 2019. Then January 2020, he began, and COVID hit in March. That's <laughs> and he was like, I mean, he had lined up churches. He yep. was so excited, and everything shut down. And you know, I, it's just he's such an amazing guy. Uh, we really put him to work because you know that's when we started doing a lot of online conferences, and he had to. We were joking around how. The, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he's he definitely wouldn't consider himself probably a tech genius. He's in my wheelhouse, yes. Chris. So, he's in my wheelhouse. So, you know, asking him to do technological things, I'm sure we were pushing him outside of his comfort zone. And, uh, you know, we had him setting up green screens in his house and cameras and all this stuff. And and uh, but he did it with such grace and compassion. Um, in fact, we learned today that one of his favorite Bible verses comes from Philippians chapter two, I believe, where it says, "Do all things without grumbling." So we figured out why he didn't grumble when we asked him to do all this. Tech he stuff. did the Mary thing. Remember, we talked uh, last week. Uh, he did the Mary thing, where she tells uh, the all the servants, "Do whatever he says." She was talking about <laughs> yep. her son, the Lord Jesus. Do whatever he says. Uh, in fact, the words I gave to him were, oh, you know, that do you always do what's ever asked of you. You are obedient. Boy, is he obedient. Yeah. He is an amazing guy. He was an amazing guy. Amazing, and he, he, he still is. And, you know, we played this game uh, online, Kahoot, where, Steve, somehow you and I, you know, we don't even live in Canada. <laughs> the Jew and the Gentile. <laughs> That's right. We, we knew a lot about him, which I loved. We figured it out. We scored a lot of points figuring out who Mike Cannell was and who knew him the best. And so, Hey, I'll- a shout-out to Karen McQuan. She put together uh, – everything had to be online and she brought us all in, even though we were on Google Meet. We had a game. They presented Rob, who's the director of Canada, uh, presented a beautiful shofar. Mm. But there, it felt like camaraderie, even though we were all separated by a lot of miles. We were together in one spirit. I thought that was great. It was fantastic. And, um, you know, it just made me think of how much I enjoy online retirement parties. They're great. You know, it's one of the best things that comes from. You don't co- have to get dressed. You exactly. can't. Exactly. You can be late, but you're just a click. Away. Oh, sorry, I was late. That's 30 seconds ago. I walked over to my desk. Exactly. You know, we did uh, during COVID. Uh, a lot of the kids, uh, they, you know, my kids go to birthday parties all the time, and so uh, you know, it, you invest a lot of time at these birthday parties. You. You know, it's like two hours or three hours sometimes at these event halls or event places, jumping around, all this stuff. 
And you know, after like uh, birthday party number ten for the year, you're like, man, oh man, this is this is. You know, I wish I was at home right now. Do you take out a loan uh, for these on, gifts that you have to I, buy? It's crazy. And so, the best part about COVID was our friends threw a drive-by birthday party. <laughs> I've never been to one of those. It was the best. The kids were in the back of the car, and um, you drive by. They're outside, and you just wave hello from your car. Happy birthday. And then the guy, you know those long pizza, they they put pizza on them, and they put them in the oven. (laughs) He put cupcakes on them and would put them in our car. And I'm just grabbing food. I hand off the present, and boom, we drive off. I thought, this is the best birthday party of all time. A drive-by birthday party. I would love to be the birthday guy where you hand, you stick out that little thing and they put the gift on and you just bring it right <laughs> in. That's right. Oh, you, you put the four on there. There you go. It's for your kids. Everybody was I was happy. The kids were waving. They were happy to see other people. I thought, this has got to be minutes, a thing. You're done. Ten minutes. It was uh, five minutes. It was great. <laughs> Sayonara. Happy birthday. We love you. Zoom off, you know. Go home. That is great. But uh, anyway, that's enough about kids' birthday parties. We, uh, but we were celebrating Mike Cannell. We just want to say a big shout-out to Mike Cannell for, for serving with Friends of Israel. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize he, was giving, he gave out for two years, he gave out 50 Hanukkah baskets to the Jewish community up in Nova – I believe it's the Nova Scotia area. Yes. And yes. built – in just two years' time as a Bible-believing Christian built – built relationships with the Jewish community around him, which is just phenomenal. We do not want to make small or laugh off that accomplishment, which in itself is amazing. Uh, The idea of, uh, because I'm sure it hadn't been done in that area, maybe ever. Yeah. Uh, And so here here is a Bible-believing Christian handing out baskets to people who have probably, under those circumstances, never had anything like that what an amazing thing! And for those listening, that's an idea for you. Yeah. Uh, it you know you think you say what can I do? I'm only one person. There's not a whole lot I can do. I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. Well, all you have to do is want to. Yeah. If you want to, uh, we you and I have given instructions to people over the phone wherever they are to put together a love basket of whatever for whatever holiday it could. It's certainly Hanukkah is appropriate, but it could be Purim. It could be Passover, as long as they're Passover ingredients, no leaven, whatever it is. And you just <laughs> That's a good and you point. and you just go over to your, even if they're not your friend yet, up just somebody you know is Jewish. You say, "Hey, happy holiday," whatever it is, that creates a bridge. We've seen tears uh, is the reaction of the person. We mm-hmm. say, well, I, "Who am I? you? Don't I don't even know you." Well, we know you're Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. He's important to me. I love your people. God loves your people. So I just want to say thank you. It creates all kinds of wonderful things. And Mike was involved with that a hundred times, yeah. two years. Oh, yeah, just, you know, I was I saw pictures during his retirement party online that, uh, you know. the had a truck. A truck full of Hanukkah baskets. <laughs> full a of, truck. Saying happy Hanukkah to their Jewish friends. Great ministry. We send Mike off with all the well wishes and uh, thanking the Lord for his his short, brief, but very still, very impactful ministry with Friends of very Israel. Very effective, yes. So thank you, Mike. Um, well, listen, uh, just a quick reminder, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip, where you can learn the Bible from a Jewish 
perspective. And we hope that you will be joining us uh, for a follow-up. You know, Lauren has been teaching this class now. Yeah, this is second week. I know. We're very excited about this class that she's First teaching. week went well, but it doesn't mean if you weren't there last week, they could, of course, go to Facebook. Uh, uh, YouTube and see it, mm-hmm. but uh, they could join even without being at the first one, right, Chris? That's right, and it will be on Facebook later on as well, so you can either go to YouTube, to our FOI Equip YouTube page, or you can go to our FOI Equip Facebook page. You can watch past classes on there. All of it will be made available for you to connect with what we're doing. Lorna did a fantastic job. You can join whenever you want, though. It's not like a class where, well, I didn't catch the first class. That's fine. You should still come. You can you can register at foiequip.org, and then also we have a great summer series coming up as well, uh, Continuing our summer series, we have an FOI Equip lecture uh, with uh, Bassem Eid. Mm-hmm. Our first lecture series with Bassem Eid, a Palestinian human rights activist who has an interesting take on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And then also, that's July 21st, and then also Paula Korn will be teaching Jewish cuisine, Jewish food. I, could heart, I love to hear about food, Jewish food, Gentile food. I'm glad to hear about it. You know, I, you know what just came to my head when I hear you say, I love Jewish food, and I don't know what it is, you know, like a word association thing. For some reason, gefilte fish came into my mind. Love gefilte Do fish. Do you really? I've, I love, and most people hate it, but I love it. Is that the hot dog of... Hamburger. I would call it the hamburger. The hamburger of do- fish. Uh, yeah, the hamburger of fish. It's, it's a, you know, if you understand Jewish history... You know that the Jewish people were not rich. One of the things that is said about us, oh, all Jews are rich. That's simply not true. And, in fact, most of our history, we were impoverished people. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, particularly, Shabbat is the time uh, that you, whatever you have, that's when you want to highlight it. So no matter how little you have, on Shabbat you're going to have the most, the best of whatever you have. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, what they would do, uh, they'd go to the fishmonger's market and get the backs of the tails or near the head or near the fins uh, and scrape the meat from those oh. various fish, put it together, boil it, and that's gefilte fish. It's Shabbat fish because they couldn't afford the whole fish. And so they took the scraps. The leftover parts. That's why, that's why parts. I called it, I, I guess a hamburger, that's why I called it the hot dog, too. You hot know? dog, too. But either way, I, I could just say this. Maybe you're thinking, Chris, it's unkosher. I'm not going to compare uh, no, the well, gefilte no, fish they're, with they're, the hot dogs. There's certainly hot dogs that are Nathan's hot dogs. Nathan's hot dogs, yep, hot dogs and uh, uh, what, are they, what did they say? We Nathan's answer, the hot we, we answer to a higher <laughs> authority, Hebrew National. Yeah, Hebrew National. <laughs> we answer to an, a higher calling. A higher authority. Yeah. Not calling, authority. Uh, okay. That comes from God, kosher laws. <laughs> Uh, for but, a hot dog. <laughs> but either way, do you know how expensive gefilte fish is now? Oh, no. Uh, uh, well, you probably don't. I've looked at the supermarket. It used to be the impoverished fish. Now you got to go to a special section. Oh, really? The international section. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's hidden away at most grocery stores. And when you find it, it's like, man, alive. I'm not buying... <laughs> I, I, I'm not you buying. know you're getting the scraps from the fish. What's going on Wait, here? They're giving me the end of this, and it's like super expensive. But, oh, I love it. With a little horseradish, it's so good. You know, there was some gefilte fish in the Friends of Israel uh, refrigerator for a while, and I don't, you know. Manashev, is it Manashev? Well, you know why it was there? 
Why? It was the white elephant exchange oh. at Friends of Israel. We were celebrating, of course. Well, we see Christmas, how much they liked it. Christmas. I brought it. And it landed and, in the. And <laughs> it, I brought it, and I, somebody picked it up. And you know what? The person who got it just said, Fat. Remember that? <laughs> Fat. That's Remember right. Remember that Yiddish word? That's right. I'm leaving it here. I don't. It's. I don't even want to justify the electricity in my fridge to keep that gefilte fish. That's right. And that's. Did you end up eating it then? Uh, I can't remember. I. I. I didn't want to steal somebody else's uh, prize. Well, so, I mean, it didn't seem like they wanted it. It didn't. You, it wouldn't have mattered to them. But uh, yeah, that's a great Yiddish word for that. They probably said the Gentiles said, ah, fat. yeah, exactly, exactly. This is what they said too. It is when when they won it, they said this is bupkis. Yeah. <laughs> But it isn't bupkis. It's expensive. It's expensive. That's right. Exactly. Well, there's a little Jewish culture and customs, but you can learn actually more about that. All this came, Steve, from uh, Paula Korn will be teaching uh, a, a two-week class this August, starting August 11th, on Jewish food. And you don't really understand how much food can encapsulate the Jewish culture and customs of, of the Ashkenazi, of the Sephardic, of the Mizrahi Jewish communities, the, the type of food that they eat. Um, on a, a kosher food that they eat, you know, they had to take these things from the cultures around them. And so you you, you begin to see how these cultures were formed. And, and I think Paul is just going to do a great job, Steve. Great job. Great job. FYEquip.org to register. Okay, so Steve, we are going through the seven signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And last week we looked at John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana. Yep. And uh, today we're going to be in John chapter 4, so I'm going to hand it over to you to see. No problem. I'm glad to do it. We're in John chapter 4. Because Steve is this, uh, he is the Jewish sage, but in in early this morning I was doing my devotions in John chapter 4 because I was getting prepared, Steve, and I was looking through a commentary too, and do you remember last week, Steve, you had had mentioned, I wonder It was a question. It wasn't, I I asked you a question. But still, I'm reading through this comment, very, very deep commentary, a technical commentary. Oh, that's me. Definitely me. I know. That's why I'm saying you're the, you're the, you're the rabbi of everybody. I'm the bupkis sage. (laughs) But there, it said in there, it said, uh, you know, did did Jesus maybe was it just the water that they poured out in each cup turned into wine? And that is a serious question, scholars. So I texted Steve early this morning and said, "Look, you're a scholar. There it is, a great question. It is well, it's a question. I don't know how great it is, but either way, uh, we're now from chapter two. That was the first sign. That was the first miracle that John tells us after." Uh, Jesus had been baptized, and uh, he called the disciples. And so now we come to chapter 4, and we're back in Cana. Now, not in chronology, he had left Cana after the wedding and went down to Jerusalem. He was doing other miracles, but now he comes back to Cana of Galilee. And in verse 46 of chapter 4, it said, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So we have to realize geography here, Cana of Galilee and Capernaum. Mm -hmm. Um, They're about 20 miles or so from each other. And 20 miles is not getting into your car, Chris. And, oh, yeah, 20 miles. I I commute. 35 miles whenever I come to the office, and I come every day. Uh, and it, I don't even think about it. But if I had a walk, I'd be, <laughs> I'd yeah. be thinking about it a lot. Yeah. So he, 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 his son is sick. How sick? He's sick unto death. 
It says, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Chris, you have four kids. I have six grandkids, four kids. As a father, Mm -hmm. think about you. Your son is sick. You go crazy. You see them in pain. They're either they're moaning or they're they're just lying there in fever. What they fall down, blood's coming, whatever it is. And there's this. You heard about this person. There's this person who's able to do amazing things. And you look at your son as a father. How? Do, what are your feelings like when your son is near death? You just start running toward that. I mean, you. I know from. You know, nobody's died, you know, come close to death. But as a, you know, when somebody gets hurt, you know, of course, we have uh, been to the hospital a thousand times for stitches and um, and all of that. And the moment you see a cut that you think might need stitches, you get in the car and you immediately drive to the emergency room or you drive to the urgent care or whatever the case might be. So I can only that's just for a cut. Um, I can only imagine what it would be feel like and, 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 and even in our today's world you know we have hospitals and doctors and science and and medicines and things that they didn't have then and so you got to imagine he was probably at a loss uh, a lot sooner than we would be in our day day and age and so I'm sure hearing that this mi- miracle man is out there doing this bolted for bolted yeah. bolted I know when my daughter my oldest daughter hurt her head, uh, her head uh, opened up, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, we better go to the emergency room. And, there, you know, your head bleeds a lot. So we were in the emergency room, and the doctor looked at me. She was about 12 years old. And the doctor looked at me and said, I don't think that needs a stitch. And I'm looking at it with him, and I said, oh, she's 12 years old. She's a woman. She's going to get older, and she's going to come back to me and say, look at this. I said, can you can you give her a stitch? Can yep. you help me out? I I was imploring him to do something, and not life threatening, but nonetheless, I was looking down the line, and he said, "You know what? You're right." So here, look, he says, he implores Jesus to heal his son, and Jesus now is looking at the crowd, not just him. He's looking at the crowd, and how often have I used the expression? You people, I do it sometimes from the platform. Have you ever used that oh, expression? Yeah. You people, you you look out and you say, "You people, hear me, hear yep. me." Whenever I lead trips to Israel, I'm known as the guy that says, "People like that." <laughs> there you you want to get their attention. Well, Jesus was doing that. He said, "Unless you people, uh, here he he's asking on behalf of his son. Unless you people ask for a sign, uh, you will no means believe." And so, what's on what's on the author's mind here? That's that's why we're picking these seven, Chris. What's on his mind? These are stories. We love to tell stories. Jewish people love to tell stories, but it's not entertainment. I love to tell stories just to get a laugh. Yeah. I, I mean, but the purpose, John, always drives us back. And the purpose of these stories is so that they'll believe. And the purpose of this story is to tell the story of a man whose son was sick, who implores the miracle man, with the with the ultimate purpose of the miracle man's miracles so that he would believe. Yeah. Believing is so important. And when it, when it uses that term to or that the that phrase signs and wonders, it's actually the only time that um John uses that those words coupled oh, together. Oh boy, we hear it all the time, yeah, don't we? We do. Signs and wonders, but John only uses it this once and it's he he'll use signs again. 
but he won't couple it with wonders. And um, and it's interesting because that same signs and wonders goes back to Exodus when, um, you know, Moses was supposed to show the signs and wonders of God as a sign of that God is with this guy. God is with Moses. Here's my staff. You know, all of these uh, amazing things. And yet even those signs and wonders didn't change the heart of Pharaoh. It didn't change him at all. And so, you know, I, I Jesus is imploring kind of the same idea here. Like, you know, you guys are always looking for, you know, it's not the signs and wonders. It, it, it can almost carry itself a, a, a bad connotation because you're, this is all that you're looking for. You're looking for a magic show. And really what Jesus wants to do is use these as ways to draw people to him. And I think we're going to see that in a moment as well through this person. No question. And the father, he was looking for his son to be healed. Yeah, there's a very practical reason why he's here. A very practical reason. And uh, so the nobleman said, come, sir, come down before my child dies. Time's limited. I know you want to talk. I want you to come back. It's a 20-mile walk to get there. You heal my son. And so it goes on. Jesus said, Go your way, your son lives. He wanted him to, he just said, go your way. So you asked, so it's done. Mm-hmm. I, Chris, this. Could you the, could you trust a guy, you know, could you that, trust a guy like that? The guy's just shooing me off. That's yeah. all he's doing. Just go in peace, my child. Yep. Yeah, and you just say, yeah, right. Yep. At least, so you go back dejected. You say, man, I tried. He, he was my only hope. He's near unto death. And he scooted, he just shooed me away. Yeah. That's what you think. It's like going to a mechanic. Do you ever go to a mechanic and you're like, you know, I am hearing this sound in my car and, uh, or, 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 or something of that nature. And you get there and the mechanic goes, no, your car's fine. Go on your way. <laughs> and then you're driving and you see the engine light come on or something. Oh, this, you know what? I wish I was there for a reason. And, it didn't get fixed. Now I'm back and there's a bigger problem. I've had that. I feel like I've had that happen a couple times where you're trusting somebody, they tell you something, and then you start driving away and, uh, and bupkis. Nothing. What, bupkis. But, well, this particular nobleman did believe. Yeah. He did believe. He, he, Maybe he didn't. He he didn't see the Katolka syndrome. Oh, uh, oh you you almost <laughs> you hear that? Like You're me. rubbing off on uh, me I, here. I, 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 <laughs> you sounded almost. Uh, like I know me. it's getting close. I will have to have my own pad of uh, sounds here. But pretty soon. It, the, here in verse fifty, Chris is the purpose of the miracles, and it's it's John's point as he frames these miracles. So many miracles that Jesus did couldn't even contain in a book. You need a library, but he chooses seven. This is the second one, and it says, so the man believed the word. Mm-hmm. And isn't that significant? We Chapter one of John, and the word became flesh. So, so this nobleman believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. He already kind of showed some faith uh in the fact that he walked 20 miles to appeal to Jesus to heal his i mean 100% you know you you can just uh, of course we can talk about it being a very practical reason to come but he's also saying you know of course he's probably at his wits end but still he's he knew he had a shot mm-hmm. it reminds me of the blind man that Jesus puts mud on his eyes he still has to walk a long ways to go wash that mud off which means you know Jesus is doing some weird stuff to him putting mud on his eyes he goes now you go down to the pool 
uh, of Silawam, and you go down there and you and you wash that mud off. Well, that wasn't right next to. He had to go as a blind man walking down steps, and he had to believe in faith that God that he, you know Jesus. Jesus's miracle was going to heal him. There are steps to faith. There are steps. There, there are. And this believe, was a long step. But then after you believe, you got to demonstrate that you believe. That's right. And and that's exactly. And then he had to believe again here that when he comes, now he's got to go back in faith. Yeah, and, and he does. And it says in verse 51, and he was now going down, his servant met him and told him saying, your son lives. Oh, man, isn't that great news? Then he inquired of him the hour when he got better, and they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Mm. What a, I, You know, we know this story. Those people that are familiar with the New Testament, this is a people know the story. But if you just camp there a while, just sit and think about it and put yourself in the situation, you're desperate. Your son is near death. You hear about this person. You go and he's, please come. I know you can heal him. Uh, your son's okay. And you leave and say, okay, I believe it. You're walking back. And the servant said, he's he's good. He healed. Well, what time was that? Oh, yesterday, 7 o'clock. Exact time. And, and he checks his watch. He yep. says, Oh, man, that's the exact time, just by his word. Mm-hmm. And But if you think about it, Chris, is healing a near-death sick person harder to speak to be healed than creating the whole world? No, exactly. <laughs> by the breath of your mouth? Yeah, exactly, because that's the way that John sets up who Jesus is, uh, that the word became flesh, uh, that God, the one who spoke all things into existence, um, came down and dwelt with us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So you're right. I mean, he's John sets us up as the one who speaks all things into existence. So simply speaking to heal uh, this young boy uh, is um, it, it would not be a task for Jesus too difficult. But um, you know, it, I was just thinking. I don't think prior to this there is any mention, at least in the Gospel of John, of a healing that takes place. If I remember correctly, I don't think there's any healings in John chapter one, chapter two, or chapter three. There's teaching that takes place. There's the miracle at Cana that we looked at. Um, earlier on, we saw that Jesus responded in John chapter four uh, to the Samaritan woman. Um, and so, but it's interesting because this gentleman is coming, this nobleman, actually, um, it, probably one of um, Herod's, uh, the, the, the tetrarch of, of Galilee. It was probably one of his assistance. Yeah, that's why he's called a nobleman. A nobleman. He has to be associated in some way. That's right. So he's got some political ties. He's got some cachet to his name. So he's coming. Um, but, you know, there's no indication, at least in the Gospel of John, that Jesus had done healing. And, of course, John says, of course, there were many other signs in, that, that Jesus had done. But still, he's coming on probably not that much information about Jesus in in, in trusting that when he gets there, Jesus will heal him. But it's just interesting because he's, in John chapter, at the end here, he's responding to something that there's no mention of any healing yet in John. No, no, you're right. And you know what else is interesting? I I know we're going through the seven signs, but in chapter three, Nicodemus goes face to face with him. In the beginning part of chapter four, the Samaritan woman, they're face to face. It's the son of God, the deity, the miracle man, as you describe him. And now this nobleman face to face interacting face-to-face with Jesus. Mm. And even though Jesus isn't physically here, can't we be face-to-face 
in a in a general way. We come face to face. He knows all, sees all. Uh, these people, Nicodemus came to him. Uh, he he was at the well, and the woman spoke to him, and he spoke to her. And Jews don't normally do that with a Samaritan woman. This nobleman came to him, and it was face to face. I just find that interesting. Yeah, and now that you bring that up too, you think about Nicodemus was a Pharisee probably, and Nicodemus, you know, so he's a he's a righteous Jewish man. Um, and then, you, you know, you were talking about the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman who Jewish people would have completely written off. Uh, they wouldn't even go through Samaria. Not even at all. Uh, no. uh, yep, they would have gone around Mount Gerizim. They would have to get up to Galilee, and there's Jesus walking right into the hotbed of it all um, to make a statement. But then even the nobleman, you know, if he's really a part of Herod's court, I mean, that's political ties. There's politics there, and Herod and his and his family didn't necessarily have – the greatest relationship with the Jewish people um, because of the history with Herod and him, you know, him being an Idumean and converted and all this. So you you see in just a few chapters, Jesus isn't just talking to one audience. Jesus is face to face with various uh, uh, um, uh, people that are living in the land at that time. And it just shows the heart of Jesus because he could have gone, nope, sorry, Samaritan, you're not. I'm, I'm here only for these people. No, he's and she would have expected that. Yeah, exactly. She was surprised when when he was talking with her, you know. But still, that that's another face to face. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, not at all. It doesn't and, matter. And you know what's interesting? After this particular face to face, after this man believed, he did. Boy, can I identify with this? Because I remember when I got saved. You want to tell somebody? Yep. You want to? You want to? This this was changed your life and so what does it say he himself believed and his whole household yep uh now in this case the son lived so whoever was around him he was in bed his fever was high they're putting water on his face trying to keep him cool down he's near death and now he's up and then the father comes and says hey i want to tell you how he's healed he just didn't snap out of it something happened and once the father spoke those words, the whole family believed. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Can Evangel- I help- That's evangelism. Yeah. Is it scary? Evangelism, We some people who don't know Christ hear that word evangelism. Some Christians hear that word, and they think it's some spooky word. It's some somebody's going to harp and, and preach mm-hmm. uh, in, in a negative way and with vengeance and meanness. This was... He's healed. Jesus healed Jesus my son. Jesus healed my son. He, I believe who he is. You can believe too. Yeah. And they did. Yep, that's great. You know, it also, uh, when we're talking about signs as well, you know, we talked about the fact that the wedding at Cana with the changing the water into wine was, a, was uh, you know, something that goes back to the book of Isaiah where it says there would be new wine. So Jesus, again, bringing that component of, uh, of, of that he's the messianic king, He's the one who would come. There he is bringing new wine. There it is. It's right in front of people to see. But then even a healing, the healing component in Isaiah as well, that, uh, you know, the the idea of when the kingdom comes, um, there would be healing, and, and the blind would see, and the lame would walk. And, and here is Jesus beginning this healing ministry uh, that we'll see over and over again in the Gospels, pointing to the fact that you know the kingdom's not here yet, but Jesus, the King, who is the King of the Kingdom, is bringing these these uh, kingdom components from the from the Old Testament into the Gospels. Well, you remember John the Baptist says the kingdom is at hand. That's right. That, that he was preparing the way for the Messiah, 
and it would be, it's not unusual at this point in time that Jewish people who were beginning to believe that he is the Messiah were looking for, oh, the kingdom is at hand. He Here's the king. Now we're they're going to get excited. So there's a lot of stuff going on as a result of this. But the main point of John is that they would believe, mm-hmm. that they would believe, that you and I would believe. Can I say th- uh, this too, kind of a form of application, because this is what was going through my head when I was reading it this morning, is, um, you know, Jesus's timing is always right. And, you know, I just kept thinking about timing, because that's what I, I really think that John is trying to uh, hone in on this, you know, the part of the miracle is that his son was healed, but then there's like he's he actually asks the question, when was he healed? Oh, well, it happened at this time, and he's going, that's exactly the moment that he spoke, you know, because Jesus's timing is always right, and sometimes you know Jesus's timing works out the way we want it to, like it did for this particular man here, the nobleman. Um, but sometimes is we have we've been called to wait. For Jesus's timing, and yeah, we don't like that, Chris. No, no, that requires what's called patience, and I know a lot of people these days don't have that. So, hundred percent, and it's a it's a great story, and this is sign number two, mm-hmm. a sign pointing, and really, Steve. I mean, I, I have my opinion, but I'm interested in yours. What's the point of the signs? I mean, what are we talking about when we talk about these signs? This, the signs all point to a person and his work mm-hmm. and believing. Um, the, the miracles are done to authenticate the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, G- there were people Jesus didn't heal. Didn't. Yeah. Uh, there, are, there are things that happen. We're going to talk about one of the signs. Somebody asked him to uh, take care of a person, and he, he doesn't do it. At, at least at the timing that they want, right? He, because there's a greater purpose, a greater sign that he wants to give for the purpose of believing. So we have to have faith in the person who we know can do what we're asking, but he knows what's best and when it is best for us. Mm-hmm. He also knows if something we want, but he's not going to get it because it's, we're not going to get it because. It's not good for us to have, That's even right. though we think so. That's right. Sovereignty. It's called God's sovereignty, and it's a tough one to swallow sometimes. But in God's sovereignty here, he healed this this Absolutely. young boy right away to reveal his glory. And the message spread, the, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm, it spread fast. We talked about that last week with Cana. You know, I'm sure the moment that water turned into wine— that news got out of Cana as fast as possible. So uh, that's what probably happened here as well. And Jesus's reputation was building in oh, this area. He, he's he's already he's a big macher. He's a big macher. That's right. People, they he's got their attention. All right. Well, be sure to join us again next week as we're going to be continuing. We'll be moving on to our third sign um, uh, of the miracles of Jesus as he continues to reveal who he is through the Gospel of John. Um, Steve, let's move to the news. What do we got? Okay, Chris, uh, we got Bennett Warren's coalition will collapse within a week or two unless the ministers end their rebellion. I'm not laughing at this is politics, but collapse. Our people always are, we're at the precipice of craziness, this destruction. So now Bennett is saying... Uh, You're talking about Prime Minister Neftali Bennett of Israel. I, I am, and I'm, I'm talking about a coalition. And we've talked about it on the podcast. Unlike he, here in the United States, a president, he wins or she wins, uh, and the person wins four years, that's it, locked in, no matter what. 
Israel, not so much. Yeah. There's a lot of elections. They're held together by a coalition. And Bennett has a very fragile coalition. Very fragile. And so uh, we have here Prime Minister Naftali Bennett warned Monday that his faltering coalition will collapse completely in a week or two if the growing number of <laughs> renegade. <laughs> They're from his own party. <laughs> renegade MPs within the ruling bloc don't return cooperating fully with the alliance. Yep. Uh, the, you know... I laugh because we we spend a lot of time preaching and talking about the Bible. When when you read the Bible, rebellion that's the norm. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the. Imagine how God feels. Bet bet. Here's a picture of Bennett. <laughs> yeah, he's pointing. He's in the Knesset there, and he's he's nervous. How do you hold, think God hold is that with up us? to the camera there, Steve. Over over here. Hold that up to the camera. See there he is. He's pointing. If you if you're watching the podcast online and you're you're watching us on in video you can see he's i mean he's frustrated and he's frustrated because you know when you talk about rebellion um you know when when you think about what bennett has gone through that the whole point of bennett being in that seat was to unseat netanyahu and it was a fragile government it's been one year it's only been one year and of course this is happening because the government that net that bennett that overseas is made up of Islamists, liberals, progressives, conservatives. Uh, ben, Bennett's party is uh, are, 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 are nationalists. These people want all of Israel, and yet they're hanging out with a bunch of Islam. Of course, there's disagreement. Well, now, not look, I can't listen believe it's what lasted he says. one year. The choice today, he says, is between chaos and stability, yeah. between paralysis and growth. His entire party is chaos. <laughs> so it's just hilarious to me. Well, because the problem is, is that his own party, it only, I think, has four or seven seats in the Knesset. And so they are very conservative people. They are very conservative people in Bennett's party, but they have to make agreements with people who completely disagree with them. It would be like, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez trying to make an agreement with the most, you know, uh, you know, some right-wing congress uh, congressman or woman and they have to come together it would be impossible and that's these these people have to work with one another so the whole coalition is completely falling apart. Well, Netanyahu is not happy about any of this. He says, "You're not fighting for the country. You're only fighting for your seat." Netanyahu said, again, lashing out at Bennett for his cooperation with Ra'am and Abbas. You don't think that Net, that's a, he's not happy. He's probably smiling from cheek to cheek. He's going to, this government's going to fall apart. And Likud, his party still has a lot of power. <laughs> your black, this is Netanyahu, your blackmail and protectionist government is crumbling. Its days are numbered. <laughs> this is Jewish people. Fighting Jewish people. That's right. And I'm look, they're my people, but the government is so fragile. There are so many, as you already outlined and communicated, it's a coalition that Chris it, it we knew it was gonna happen. They knew it. They knew it was gonna happen, and that's just the way it is. I, to try to get sixty one seats, what a day that will be if they ever get one party, one party gets sixty one seats seat that, by the way it'll US, never happen but the u.s is just as guilty look at the senate they are fighting back and forth so it's not a jewish thing it's no, a no, no, human no. condition yeah uh 
There'll never be one. I mean, the whole point of the Israeli government and parties is that's their representative body. It's it, it's their country is so small they can't have a you know a like how we have senators coming from each state and congressmen and women coming from each state. You know, their state is so tiny. It's the size of New Jersey. The only way they can have proper representation is not by by location. It's by ideology. It's by your political perspective. Uh, perspective. So they formed these, I mean, dozens, more, 20, 30, 40 parties, and they all try to fight for a seat in the Knesset. And so that's how you get representation is through your party, not necessarily where you come from. 100%. You know, in the United States, uh, over the last uh, year and a half, uh, one man who's in the Democratic Party, his name is Senator Manchin, uh, and he's been ripped by by liberals. He's mm-hmm. been ripped because he's he's kept things from passing. Just recently, I read the New York Times, of all places, a very liberal newspaper, is now thinking, you know what? We ought to congratulate Manchin because as inflation goes up, he was the one that stopped more spending. It would have been worse. I'm only bringing this up because I want to make sure. Because he loves talking about politics. Uh, Well, no, I'm bringing it up because the tendency, if somebody listens to us, is that somehow I'm saying because of Jewish people, uh, look at what they're doing. No, no, we do it everywhere. And uh, But it's hilarious. Yeah. If that's why I like politics, it's hilarious. You have the press. The press is only looking for a story, Chris. And the story they're looking for is, I gotcha story. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm right with them. Bennett, he's he, he he look at Bennett, look at Netanyahu and see how they're gonna go back and forth. It's been going on like this. Netanyahu was prime minister and Bennett was going after him. Now it's the other way around. Exactly. And you know, um speaking of trying to find the right story for the right time, as you were just saying about how we're always looking for that they're looking for that juicy story. We've got another one. We do have this another one. This one is very, very interesting. This one is interesting. In landmark deal, landmark means, boy, this is this hasn't really happened before. Signed in Cairo, Egypt, Israel to export <laughs> natural gas via Egypt to Europe. <laughs> we know recently we've talked about it. Our organization, Friends of Israel, has talked about it. We've preached about it. Uh, we've talked about uh, what's taking place in uh, in Russia and the Ukraine and raising money for them. We've talked about uh, in Israel the finding of gas, natural gas, uh, and the the tremendous amounts not just for their own needs but to be able to export it. And now there's trouble. There's trouble with Russia and Ukraine. Russia supplies forty percent of European gas, and now Israel, little Israel is working with Egypt yep. to save the EU. Isn't that amazing? Almost literally to save them to supply gas. This, Chris... And you and I had actually done a news spot several episodes ago. Do you remember um, when the Biden administration had shut down the pipeline that they were hoping to build between Israel and the EU to supply natural gas to get them off the the uh, the, the Russia's um, energy and the Biden administration said, ah, nah, don't, don't, nah, it's not worth our time. It's not worth our energy because they're looking for more green technology. Do you remember that? I do. And so now what we're seeing is that, e- look at America gets bypassed as a part of the solution. And e- Israel's working with Egypt. They're going to prov- provide the gas. 
Egypt will liquefy the gas, and then they'll send it up to the Mediterranean into the into the into Europe. And the EU, which has given Israel so much, I mean, they're friendly, but they've given them a lot of grief politically, just to look good to, for oil producing nations. I'll tell you this: if you're freezing cold, if you're freezing cold, and you all of a sudden get heat, and you find out it's from Israel, you say. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Shalom. <laughs> Peace be unto you. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny because I was just thinking 10 years ago, Steve, if you and I would have been talking about Israel as an energy exporter, we'd be laughing because uh, this is what Golda Meir said um, many years ago. She was one of Israel's prime ministers during um, the 1973 uh, war. Um, but she has this quote, and I love it. She says, let me tell you something that we Israelis have against Moses. <laughs> He took us 40 years through the desert in, t- in order to bring us to the one spot in the Middle East that has no oil. And it was true for many years for Israel. Chris, when I was in synagogue, I used to hear the joke, Moses made the wrong turn. <laughs> he made the wrong turn. Where did he go? There's nothing here. That's right. There's, But there was. Yep. And there is. And, you know, it was off the coast. I mean, of course, they're looking in all the, the spots for land, but they found a behemoth. Uh, gas reserve off the coast of the Mediterranean, uh, Israeli area, um, which I mean, I think it's one of the largest gas reserves in the in the world, if I remember correctly. It took the Israelis quite some time to get their heads wrapped around it. I remember I was when I was taking the tours for our origins group over to Israel. I would meet with our friends over there. I say, well, what's going on with this? gas situation uh we don't want to talk about it it's caught up in the knesset these people are crazy they're they're arguing over unions they're arguing over who's going to get the money does the money go to the private industry does the money go to the people does the money go here it took them years and years and years to finalize so that they could begin to drill for this gas and now all of us almost in god's providence just in time as these things come online now they're able to export to countries it's, like the it's EU. It's just amazing. It really it's is. It's just amazing. So that's what's going on in the news. We've a lot of exciting things, a lot of things to keep your eye on that are uh, that are going on in Israel, whether it's energy helping out the uh, the, the Europeans or uh, whether it's Israeli. Listen, Israeli politics will always love it. <laughs> that will always keep us busy. But anyway, all right, everybody, here we go. Yiddish word of the day. Oh, Chris, I was thinking about the nobleman. You and I were. We talked back and forth about... We had some words that we were thinking about. we had different words. And then you found this word, and it triggered my mind because I've heard it before. Olivai. Olivai. What is that? Olivai. Olivai means it, it should only... Happen. That's right. From May your lips, ha- from your lips to God's ears. That's what I think the nobleman thought in his head. John said, and I believe him. Of course, it's the inerrant word of God. He believed. Yep. But he, <laughs> I think he at first thought it should only happen the way you said. That's right. Go home. Your son's healed. Olivai. <laughs> How would that? Because you said you knew that word from when you were. Oh, younger. my parents used it all the time. I'll, you you. Talk about something related to a family, something related to an issue that came up, and you'd hear the solution or you'd hear what in your mind what made sense, and say, it should only happen. Yeah. Look, right now we got uh, $5 gas as we speak, $5 a gallon average-wise. And so somebody says, we hear a government official come on uh, in the administration and say, oh, you know, this or pass, give it a month, and 
it will pass. It'll be back down to three. I, then my parents. So when Biden says that the inflation is transitory. So we'd say, Olivine. Yeah. <laughs> it should only happen. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> from, exactly. From your lips to God's ears. So, Olivine. It's a great Yiddish word. All right. That's great. So Olivine is the word. Hey, next time, you know, you're somebody says something and you think, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I hope so. You say, Olivine. That's right. Olivine. Olivine. It should only happen. All right, everybody. Well, listen, that's another great episode of the Jew and Gentile podcast. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Keep in contact with us. Do you know that you can actually, right now, if you want to, you can go to foiequip.org, foiequip.org. There you can register for our classes. There you can watch episodes or or classes that we had in the past uh, uh, for FOI Equip. And you can even go on there. I want you to do this, okay? Go on there. You'll see a Say Shalom section. Write us. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you think of FOI Equip. We'd love to hear from you. But you can do that all at foiequip.org. And while you're there, you can even listen to Ty Perry's podcast, which is called The Gesher. He has a fantastic podcast as well. All of this coming to you from FOI Equip. Steve, great to be with you, my friend. Great to be here. Awesome. We'll see you all next week.